Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Feels almost as if we should start today's show with a song. Today is the first day of Rosh Chodesh. It's two days of Rosh Chodesh, beginning the month of Adar. And in this case, it is the second month of Adar because it is a leap year. And a leap year means that we get two Adars. Now, Adar is a very special month. It is a month of joy. When Adar enters Joy is supposed to increase. So the first thing that I need to do, and I hope that you will reciprocate, is I want to wish you that this month should be a month of joy. And from that joy, all the other blessings for every facet of life should flow. So good choydesh and welcome to the show. It's Fresh Thinking Time. You are with Rabbi Shishla. Till 3 o'clock, we're together exploring, plumbing the depths of Jewish thought on a variety of subjects and usually things that people either take for granted or are part of contemporary life. But we like to look at them through fresh eyes. That's the motivation. That's the goal of this show. So, as always, you are invited to be part of the conversation. If at this stage of the game you haven't yet saved these numbers into your phone, now would be the time to do it. So you save, I guess, under the the uh, contact name Chai FM. Put in as a WhatsApp number 0618951019, as an SMS number 34519. Then you save our email on air at chaifm.com and our Twitter handle at chaifm. And for those people who like to send personal direct messages, then it's at Rabbi Shish. Seeing as today is the beginning of the month of Adar, seeing as today marks exactly two weeks until Purim, and I know for some people they think this is a time of a little bit more silliness than usual, but the truth is it's a time of a lot more joy than usual. So I thought it would be apt to talk about joy itself. And I think we battle a little bit with language because how how do you translate the word simcha? Let's start with that. The Torah, the Talmud tells us, Mishenichnas Adar Marbim Besimcha, that when the month of Adar enters, then simcha is supposed to increase. So how? How do you do that? How do you increase simcha? And I suppose in order to ask that, answer that question, we have to ask, what is Simcha? So, what, what for you, the first English word that comes to your mind when you hear somebody say Simcha? And it may not be a translation, incidentally. It may be an association. So, as soon as you hear that word Simcha, what is the first word in English that pops into your head? I think it will give us quite an insight into how people interpret the concept of Simcha. So, send those thoughts on 34519 or you can WhatsApp Oh six one eight nine five one oh one nine. I know that some people are quite reticent about sharing their thoughts in a public forum like on the radio, but this is a simple one. You can send it anonymously and it's just simply word association. When the word simcha is presented to you, what is your immediate association? And I imagine that different people have very, very different associations. In fact, this could actually end up being quite interesting. So on the one hand, I suppose we're looking for a decent translation of the word simcha. And on the other hand, we're looking for something that stretches beyond just simple translation. We're looking for something that is meaningful. We're looking for something that is representative of what simcha is all about. And I suppose that once we have a working definition, we can really get into the depth of our conversation. And really my 
purpose uh, today with uh, this show is I want to talk about Judaism and Simcha. Judaism and a sense of, well, I suppose most people will probably translate Simcha as happiness. So Judaism and happiness, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Many people will tell you that happiness is rather elusive for humans in general and specifically for humans who live in the 21st century with all of the stress and all of the things that we uh, are faced with and that we have to deal with. So, you know, sometimes happiness might just seem a little bit, a little bit different uh, to what it might have been in a simpler period of history. So that's what we're going to talk about today and using until somebody shares a different or hopefully better definition of the word simcha. We're going to go with the word happiness. And so the question I'd really like to bounce around today, and it's not just a yes or no answer. I'm not looking for yes or no answers. I'm looking for some kind of an insight. In other words, motivate for why you respond in the way that you do. My question is going to be this. Would you say that Judaism encourages people to be happy? Again, assuming that happy is a good translation for the word simcha or happiness is a good translation for the word simcha, in which case sameach would be happy. So let's assume that that's a decent translation. And again, if you've got a better translation, I'd love to hear it because I do believe that there are potentially better translations out there. So would you say that Judaism encourages people to be happy? And this is something you have to think about in context of your own experience, both in terms of the things that you have studied in Judaism and in terms of the interactions that you've had with people who observe Judaism, so even if you're not Jewish yourself, but just looking around, does it appear that Judaism encourages happiness, or does it appear that Judaism stifles happiness? I suppose another way that we could ask the same question would be, would you say that Judaism is a joyous or a serious experience? And I don't want to use the word religion because I think that's a loaded word. So the way of life called Judaism is it joyous or is it serious would you say that judaism encourages people to be happy to be in a state of simcha you know here we are it's the month of adar and everybody says and people typically translate that or understand or interpret that to mean that the month of adar is yes and now is the time for simcha as if to say simcha is not really appropriate before the month of Adar and perhaps not even after the month of Adar. But now's your time. You know, if you're looking for Simcha, now's your time. And I want to challenge that because it doesn't appear that that is actually what the Talmud is saying. So that's why we're talking in a greater context over here. Would you say that Judaism, generally speaking, encourages people to be happy? And you have to call on your own firsthand experience, both as somebody who has studied Judaism and as somebody who knows people who observe Judaism and from your own experience of whatever level of Jewish observance you you follow, is it do you find that it's something that adds joy or something that perhaps is a killjoy? And I think some people will probably say it's a killjoy because some of the really nice and fun and, and interesting and lucrative things that life has to offer, Judaism doesn't allow. So is is that maybe is that maybe part of the problem and perhaps one of the reasons why people will think that Judaism is an ob obstacle to happiness? Because if I were allowed to, and fill in the blanks, right, if I could eat this or if I could go to that place or if I could party on a Saturday afternoon or go watch the rugby, then maybe I'd be happier. And so Judaism got in my way and it's interfering with my happiness. 
that might be one possible angle. So that that to me would be a reason why somebody would say that Judaism does not encourage happiness because Judaism maybe, I suppose you could say, encourages conforming. And for many people, being a conformist is not necessarily a happy place to be. So let's see. Okay, here's somebody on WhatsApp. I don't know if there is a name. Let's just get the full WhatsApp. No, we don't. It's an unsigned WhatsApp. My original question was, how would you translate the word simcha? Because it is relevant if we're going to talk about this imperative that when the month of Adar comes, you should increase in simcha. You need to know what simcha is. So this WhatsApp says, I would say that simcha is a celebration. And Judaism encourages us to celebrate that which should be celebrated. But I don't think that happiness is a goal of Judaism. That's very interesting. So three points up there. The first is to define simcha as a celebration. I know many people would naturally associate the word simcha with a celebration. Point number two, Judaism encourage us to, encourages us to celebrate that which should be celebrated. I don't believe that anybody would dispute that. Point number three, I wonder if everyone will agree on point number three. I don't think that happiness is a goal of Judaism. So it's uh, an unsigned WhatsApp and it certainly is food for thought. I don't believe that this is an unusual perspective. I imagine that many people would feel similarly that happiness is not a goal of Judaism. And that's exactly what we're going to be testing over here today. Well, is it? Is part of, in other words, are you perhaps more in line with what Judaism wants if you have a goal and you're working on being happy? Or is it completely irrelevant? And as long as you're ticking the boxes and fulfilling the requirements of the Torah, whether or not it impacts or uplifts your mood may be absolutely irrelevant. And that's the suggestion over here. I don't think that happiness is a goal of Judaism. My question to everybody listening, do you agree with that perspective that happiness is, maybe it's a byproduct. Uh, when I think when a person says happiness is not necessarily a goal of Judaism, I don't think that they're saying that Judaism doesn't cause happiness. I think they're saying it's not a goal. The goal of Judaism is to observe. The goal of Judaism is to be dedicated to God. The goal of Judaism is to grow. The goal of Judaism is to fix the world. Or whatever your particular goal happens to be. But happiness is not necessarily a goal of Judaism. I think it's a very, very interesting observation. I really do. So don't, let's not confuse things that may be the result of, the byproduct of, perhaps if you live this particular lifestyle because it's meaningful and because it's focused on higher ideals and because it creates a sense of community, maybe the byproduct will be happiness. Who says that the goal is happiness? I think it's definitely a thought-provoking insight, and I certainly hope that others will share Theirs as well. I'd like to hear you share your insight. Do you think that Judaism encourages people to be happy or to paraphrase in the words of this particular WhatsApp? Is happiness a goal of Judaism? Three, four, five, one, nine. If you'd like to send an SMS, I'd love to hear from you on WhatsApp as well. Oh, six, one, eight, nine, five, one, oh, one, nine. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Okay, so the conversation certainly has begun today in honor of the fact that we are now into the second Adar, the time of the year that our sages tell us is a time that we're supposed to be associated with greater simcha in our lives. I asked you the question, how do you define the word simcha? I was using the word happiness. Somebody has correctly said that simcha actually implies celebration and my question really was, does Judaism encourage people to be happy? 
And here's somebody who says, well, happiness is not necessarily a goal of Judaism. And on the opposite end of the spectrum here on Twitter is ABK2 who says, most definitely, this is to the question of does Judaism encourage happiness? Most definitely, I feel like dancing from from joy each day. So there's an interesting thing, right? You've got two different people, two different perspectives. I suppose we could bandy about opinion on this particular topic, but really we're looking for something more than just opinion, surely? Are we not looking for sources? Are we not looking for authentic Judaism? Is that not, surely, where we should be um, trying to find an answer to this kind of thing? So uh, your opinions definitely are, are valuable. I mean, I, I'd love to hear what people have to say. And then we'll go and we'll test it back on the original sources and say, okay, so is the perception that people have aligned with what Judaism in fact teaches? Or have we perhaps uh, veered a little bit from the path somewhere along the way? Here's uh, on Twitter, Life of Stork so interesting to me how people come up with their Twitter handles. It says, Judaism is about connecting with God, and God is happiness. Now, two things that come to mind from that comment. Well, first of all, that earlier WhatsApp that said, I don't think that happiness is a goal of Judaism. The, this tweet does not disagree with that. This tweet says the goal is to connect to God, and happiness is the byproduct. So that's the first point that emerges. Second point is, God is happiness. I think we need to test that. Is that, is that accurate? Are we, are we entitled to say that? Are we entitled to say that God is happiness? And I ask the question for a variety of reasons, some of which is because references in the Torah don't necessarily always seem to imply that God is just simply happiness. And also because can we define God actually in any way? So it's an interesting point when a person says God is happiness. I'm very, very curious if Number one, you would agree with that statement that God is happiness. And secondly, whether the word happiness is the correct word to use in that context. Again, bearing in mind that we're, we're originally using a word simcha. One person here has translated it as celebration. Is happiness a good enough translation of that word? I'm not sure. And I, I suspect that we can get lost in translation here, which is very much the issue, I suppose. Here again on Twitter, we've got Jackie on Twitter who says, happiness, in inverted commas, isn't a nuanced enough word for this. There we go. I completely agree. I, I think happiness, unfortunately, a person may say that they're happy in a completely lazy, unmotivated sense. They can say, I'm happy. I'm good. Everything's fine. So I like that. Happiness isn't a nuanced enough word for this. And uh, that's an important part of this conversation. So if we're going to try and uh, define this concept of simcha and determine whether Judaism encourages a people to be happy, when well, we have to then know what is this definition of simcha. So how? How do we define? Let's not just give a translation over here. How do we define simcha? Here's Daniela on WhatsApp who says, I think that the Torah says, serve God with simcha. From that, I think we can say that Simcha is definitely what we should be aiming for, but I don't think that happiness is the same Western of the Western idea of the pursuit of happiness in and of itself. 
Also, that kind of happiness seems to have a different definition. That's very true, and I think a lot of what we're going to be talking about over here is going to center on definitions. It's exactly in line with what Jackie has just said, that the word happiness is not nuanced enough to be able to capture what simcha is. Daniela's point is a very powerful point. The Torah says, Ivdu es Hashem basimcha, that we are to serve God with joy. You could still argue, yes, we are to serve God. That's the primary focus of what it is that we're supposed to do. And with joy is an accessory. Does that mean that being joyous is necessarily a Jewish ideal? Or to put it into the words of the earlier WhatsApp, that is it a goal of Judaism to be happy? And again, bearing in mind that I think the word happiness is tripping us up. I think when we hear the word happy, we have all kinds of associations with that word, which are very often quite a distance away from the concept of simcha. So we need to appreciate what does simcha mean. And then we can ask the question whether or not the objective of Judaism is that we should be happy. So let's start there. How does one define simcha? What's the difference between simcha and happiness? I think Daniela's point is a very valid point about the pursuit of happiness as a goal. That's a modern thing. I wonder if 100 years ago, certainly 300 years ago, if people thought that they had the right or the expectation to reach simcha. Oh, I'm sorry, to be happy. Let's put it that way, not to reach simcha because that's a, that's as we're going to see a spiritual ideal. But to be happy, I don't, I don't think people necessarily had an expectation to be happy. I think people had an expectation to survive. That was considered a great achievement if you were still alive and not taken out by some dread disease or some marauding band of raiders or some kind of wild creature, then you were doing well. And the expectation that we should, on top of that, have to be happy, I'm not sure that that was necessarily part of society until recently. Now we have a whole lot of luxuries at our disposal. And not only that, but we have a whole lot of things thrown at us that say, do this and you will be happy, have this and you will be happy, own this and you will be happy, go there and you will be happy. So perhaps society has shifted in that sense, and now we have this expectation of happiness. And I don't believe for one moment that the Torah would ever advocate that that should be a goal in our lives. Oh, I'm going to be a happy person, as in my life's going to be just fine. I'm going to be in a position where I don't I don't need anything, I don't want anything. Or as people like to say in today's world, when you ask them, how are you? And they say, I'm good, which essentially basically implies, you know, I am where I am, and I don't have to go any further. So it's interesting. It's definitely an interesting topic in and of itself, the notion of happiness. When the Torah speaks about Simcha, I don't believe that it's talking about happiness in the 21st century Western model. Simcha is something meaningful. It's not just something feel good. For many of us, when we hear the word happiness, we're thinking feel good. Here's Jackie again on Twitter who says, Simcha is finding meaning and fulfillment in your partnership with God and learning to manage suffering in service of that. It's much richer and more complex than happiness. That's It's quite insightful, I must say. Some of the people who comment on the fresh thinking really do share some very insightful things. I think Jackie's point is very insightful, much more rich and complex 
than happiness because the the way that it's been touted in our world is that happiness is yeah it's just like hey i'm gonna go hang out on the beach i'm gonna be happy i'm gonna sit in front of the tv i'm gonna be happy that from a Torah perspective does not by any stretch qualify as simcha simcha is active simcha is deep simcha is meaningful simcha is aspirational simcha is the kind of thing that moves a person to a far better state of being um dennis prager for those of you who listen to him um, uh, is he still on high? I think he's still on high, right? Craig's telling me he's still on high. So Dennis Prager has a very powerful line about happiness. I think he wrote a book about happiness, if I'm not mistaken. And he says, happiness is a moral imperative. But I think really what he's talking about is simcha. Simcha is a moral imperative. That means to say that you have to have something to live for. You have to have a joie de vivre. You have to have a sense of the value of life, of, of the great opportunity that life has. Because only from there can you grow. Whereas if a person lacks that kind of simcha, Think of Simcha as drive, as optimistic, upbeat drive with a belief that you will succeed and a belief that you're being held. And it's a very complex state of mind. It's not just simply happiness. So I suppose it might have been a little bit unfair to say, does Judaism encourage people to be happy? I don't know. It certainly would be accurate to say Judaism encourages people to be besimcha, to experience Simcha. And that's something that's a little different from happiness. It's 2.30. That means that if you've just joined us, it's fresh thinking time. You are with Rabbi Shishla till 3 o'clock talking today about does Judaism promote people's happiness? And we're at the point now where we're saying, well, let's see. Simcha, happiness, is it necessarily the same thing? We'd love to hear your views. You can SMS at any time on 34519 and you can WhatsApp 0618951019. Quite a lot of Information coming through on Twitter at Chai FM or directly at Rabbi Shish. Now, Pick a Pay, Norwood Hyper have these pocket saving sweet deals just for you. Pick and Pay Kosher Stewing Beef is a delicious 74 and 99 per kilo. Pick and Pay Kosher Kitchen, let's try that again. Kosher Chicken Flatties are a very low 79.99 per kilo. Pick and Pay Kosher Stewing Lamb is only 129.99 per kilo. And Pick and Pay Kosher Lean Beef Mince is only 89 rand per kilo. Catch these and many more specials in store. These specials are exclusive to Pick and Pay Nord and are only while stocks last. Pick and Pay Hyper Nord. The best place to shop when you want to buy a lot. It's the greatest. It's the biggest. It's the Chai FM Great Big Hamantash Challenge. So can you help us find Joburg's number one Hamantash champion? And it could even be you. So how many Hamantashen could you eat in five minutes? Start practicing now because it will be worth your while. There's 2,000 Rand in cold hard cash thousands more in vouchers to Norwood Mall for the champion. So the way you register is you email info at ChaiFM today. The competition will be held at Norwood Mall at 5 p.m. next Thursday. Everyone has an inner champion. Feed yours this Purim. 101.9 ChaiFM, 101.9 megahertz of Purim fun. If you've just tuned in, Fresh Thinking Time, you're with Rabbi Shishla until 3 o'clock talking today about does Judaism encourage people to be happy? And we've come to the point where we are talking about the fact that happiness, as we speak about it in English and particularly in a Western mindset, may not be the same thing as Simcha. Simcha is definitely something which is deeper and more meaningful and richer than just simply the experience of happiness. So, that's our conversation today.
Here is a WhatsApp that says Simcha is an aspiration. As it says, Mitzvah Liyos Basimcha. Actually, the quotation is Mitzvah Gedoyla Liyos Basimcha. It's a great mitzvah to be in a state of Simcha. It is another Jewish and universal concept is meaning, oh sorry, another Jewish and universal concept is meaning and purpose. Happiness is a byproduct of those. Is happiness a byproduct of meaning and purpose? Or is meaning and purpose a byproduct of simcha? Sometimes you've got to wonder, chicken and egg over here. Sometimes when a person is in a state of simcha, bearing in mind that simcha is not a state of passive happiness, but it's a state of rich and driven movement and excitement. So maybe sometimes the meaning comes from that. Interesting, interesting thought. Here's another unsigned WhatsApp that says, I think happiness is a temporary feeling or emotion created as a response to external stimuli, whereas simcha is a holy joy that begins internally and spreads outwards. I think that's a very, very good definition, in fact. What we call happiness is usually dependent on something else. And by the way, if you're relying on something else to give you happiness, well, then you're going to be chasing it. Again and again and again, because the kind of happiness that comes from something goes with that something. Similar to what the Mishnah says in Ethics of the Fathers, where it says, any love which is contingent on an external factor will die when that factor expires. No different with joy. If my simcha is dependent on something external because I received something new, had an experience, am at a place, etc., well, the reality is it's going to die because I can't have something new and it will always feel new. It's going to get old. And I can't be in the same place all the time. I have to go elsewhere. All good things, as the expression goes, comes to an end. So, yes, I agree. Happiness, in the way that it's defined in modern Western thinking, is very much dependent on external factors and would not qualify as what the Jude- as what Judaism calls simcha. Simcha comes from within. Simcha is, and I think this is a critical, critical insight, hard to apply, but critical insight. Simcha is a choice. And therefore, the Torah can tell us, serve God with Simcha. But I don't want to just say that Simcha is a choice. Simcha is actually a spiritual state. And right at the beginning we were asking the question, is happiness a goal of Judaism? No, I don't think that happiness is a goal of Judaism. But I do think that Simcha is. Here's a WhatsApp again from Daniela. says, Viktor Frankl talked about man's search for meaning and how living a purpose-driven life provides great satisfaction. I think that feeling, that feeling fulfilled and living a Torah-driven life provides great joy. I'll tell you an interesting thing. I to- totally agree with this. There's no question about it that living a Torah-driven life provides great joy. Living a meaningful life does produce. Absolutely. It makes a person joyous. That's the fact. But I'll tell you what's interesting about this. And again, the difference or the weakness, I should say, of the word happiness. Happiness sounds like something comes my way, and a few people have already identified this. Something comes my way makes me happy. Ever used that expression or heard somebody use that expression? It makes me happy. It gives me joy. It makes me sound completely disempowered. I'm just going to sit there and wait for the happiness to hit. I'm going to wait for the joy to hit. Well, you know what happens in life with people who wait for happiness to hit? Maybe you'd get it. Most likely you don't. Simcha is not waiting for something to happen. Simcha is proactive. Simcha is doing something. Very often, and you'll know this from your own experience, very often a lot of the experiences that we have in our lives that are joyous experiences are the derivative of something we've done. So you help a person, you feel 
good about it. You get up in the morning, go and exercise, and you feel uplifted because of it. These things don't just happen to us. There are very few simchas that just happen to us. Maybe the birth of a child. The uh, a windfall financially that you hadn't expected when things just turn out right. Yes, those will also give you simcha, but you cannot live your life waiting for those things to hit. So Judaism is very focused on human endeavor. Judaism is dead against the concept of people sitting around with their arms folded. We have various verses in the Torah that speak to that truth. For example, it says, man was created to work. It says, by the sweat of your brow, you should work. Okay, some people say that that was the curse of Adam, but there are other references that speak about this exact principle and how we're told that our forefather Abraham was very cautious. He wanted his children to live in a place where they would have to actually work because there's tremendous not just value, but meaning and joy that comes from being proactive and productive. So if we're going to talk about Simcha, Simcha is a position of proactivity. It's a a position of productivity, and that's very profound. Here's Gary on WhatsApp who says, A Simcha is a joyous occasion. So doing with Simcha is to do with joy. Joy is connected to God in that celebration or action. And then he says, Happiness is from the word happenstance, an elevated feeling by a chance event. It's interesting that people have picked up on that because I think it's true. You know, the kind of happiness that people describe very much is often outside of their control and just because something happened to them. And so it comes and it goes and it always leaves you feeling just a little bit more empty afterwards. So... That's the problem when you're expecting happiness to come from the outside. Here's another tweet that says, uh, this is the Israel Advocacy Calendar. Okay, it says, absolutely, Judaism encourages joy, especially on Purim and Simchas Torah. And I think that's where you have to be careful because the minute you start to identify certain days, we have to be absolutely clear. These days, these times of the year, Purim or now the month of Adar or Simchas Torah are not the happy days on the calendar. They are the days of increased Simcha. There is supposed to be Simcha every day on the calendar. Not only because it says serve God with joy, but because we're, and and there's simple logic over here, simple logic. You know this from your own experience. I can tell you from my experience, certainly, when you're feeling down, when you're feeling upset, when you're feeling unmotivated, it's difficult to grow spiritually. When you're feeling upbeat, when you've got something to look towards, when you're aspiring, when you're alive, classically you'll find yourself being a nicer person, a more generous person, a more spiritual person, a more connected person. And that is very much where a person is supposed to be positioned as far as Judaism is concerned, in a place of giving, in a place of connection, in a place of spiritual health. And all of that is going to depend on the state of your simcha. Your thoughts, three four five one nine oh six one eight nine five one oh one nine. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from two to three PM. One oh one point nine high FM, one hundred and one point nine megahertz of power. I'm telling you there's so many insights that come into this show. Really with all kinds of perspectives. It's so interesting. Somebody sent you a WhatsApp to say in seventeen seventy six The United States of America was founded on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. (laughs) And and it's it's interesting because I think a lot of the value system that they had was based on certain Torah principles, which is quite interesting. 
yet the pursuit of happiness has probably been just a little misinterpreted in our modern world. Here's Adam on Twitter who says, yes. I love when people say yes. So let's just rephrase the question. My question was, does Judaism encourage happiness? Adam says, yes, its various roles and paths are dedicated to spiritual happiness, in my humble opinion. Or as we say in today's world, IMHO. The question really is, um, if you think about it, the question really is, if spiritual happiness is maybe just a little bit intangible for the average person, is that really what somebody's looking for? Would a person say unequivocally, I feel that I have happiness because I have spiritual happiness? I, maybe for a more spiritual person, but I think for the average person, we're looking for something that's, that's kind of, I suppose, what people would call real. Here's another tweet. Kokopazzo says, happiness filled, always laughter, always dancing, always l'chaim, always celebrating. I don't know about always l'chaim, not sure about that, but certainly always celebrating. I mean, just take as an example. Take as an example, you're, you're not, you're not supposed to, for example, sit down to pray if you're in a depressed state of mind. Now I know that there are obviously streams within Judaism that seem to be a little bit more serious than others. When I say serious, not that they take Judaism seriously, but that they seem to be serious minded, you know, just a little bit more somber than others. Uh, here's somebody, in fact, Ellie on Twitter says, Judaism is about serious joy. Now, you've got to be careful because that's ambiguous when you say serious joy. Are you saying that means to be seriously joyous or does that mean to be serious about joy? And I, I think that that's probably what Ellie means. And I'd like to explore that for a moment because we tend to make, well, we blur a whole bunch of things together. We blur happiness as it is in its current Western incarnation with the concept of Simcha celebration. With the concept of joy, with the concept of light-headedness, you know, of frivolity. I think people very, very often confuse the two. So, like Purim is coming now, and everyone, oh, it's a time to be frivolous. Yes, of course, it's a lot of fun on Purim, and you may, you may even want to say it's a little bit of a silly day. But at the end of the day, Purim is quite a serious day, actually, and joy is quite a serious matter. It's not just about dressing up and acting like some kind of a clown. In fact, the goal of joy is that I should have a serious basis for why I feel so good and why I feel so positive. And I think that that's the point that we don't necessarily understand. Simcha is a direct result of having a very clear sense of God in my life. Now, let's just pause and think about that for a second. Most people think that happiness is the result of having Stuff in my life, stuff that I want, things going well, having the next big thing that everybody's excited about. Yes, I know that <clears throat> there are people who are going to say happiness comes from health and my family and so on. And that's true. I think what people forget is that simcha, which is not just feeling happy. Simcha is a sense of confidence. Simcha is a sense of awareness. Simcha is I see that God is real in my life. God is controlling things. That's why I have Simcha. Number one, because he's in my life. I'm not alone. I'm not adrift. I'm not one seven billionth of the population scrounging around trying to put food, food on my table while everybody else is trying to steal it away from me, having to navigate horrible roads with robots that don't work while the power is out or whatever the case is. Those kind of things steal my Simcha because I forget for a moment that I'm connected to God and that all the power failures in the world and all the political shenanigans in the world and all the economic failure in the world can't ever take that away from me. 
And this great infinite God decided that me, the one seventh billionth of one population on one planet in a massive universe that we haven't even begun to understand, that I'm valuable in his eyes. That's simcha. That's, that's not happiness. Not, oh, good, I'm happy. That's simcha. That's a sense of purpose. That's a sense of responsibility. And I don't think the people should mistake simcha for being an irresponsible position. It isn't. Frivolity is irresponsible. Simcha comes with great responsibility. In fact, it's possible for a person to have tremendous simcha internally, and yet externally they could actually look quite serious. It's, it's possible. And you can have a person who externally is flapping about and singing and dancing and shooting their mouth off and the life of the party and really funny, and internally they're absolutely depressed. That's obviously possible, and we see it happen all the time. Because simcha is not an experience of happiness. Simcha is a world view. Simcha is a worldview that is constructed around a reality that says there is purpose to life and I can achieve that purpose. I have greatness and I can find that greatness. And all of that is not because I'm somebody special. It's because God has invested in me and God is running the world that I'm living in. And he has a purpose and he wants the best for us. And as you build this very developed philosophical perspective, Simcha is very much who you become. So is the goal of Judaism happiness? No, I wouldn't say the goal of Judaism is happiness. Is an imperative of Judaism to be Basimcha? 100%. So the goal makes it sound like when I get there, it's some kind of a reward. It's not. It's an imperative. It's a responsibility. It's a challenge. And as I said before, it's a choice. And it's something we're guided through in Judaism. If you go back and you read the Torah through the eyes of seeking Simcha, you will see again and again and again and again that the Torah is designed in such a way to encourage Simcha in our lives. Well, look at the story. The people were at their absolute worst and, and they were rescued. There was a miracle. There was a leader. There was insight. There was forgiveness. Whatever the particular story happens to be. But each time the story comes back to the fact that in the face of really, really difficult stuff, things resolved in a very up, upbeat kind of way. And the people came out enriched. So you have a golden calf which lands up in the great gift of Yom Kippur. And you have the Egyptian exile which turns us into a nation. And I'm not suggesting for one second that God forbid a person has to suffer in order for good things to happen. But the Torah is giving us perspective that every time that something really hectic happens there is always the possibility and not only the possibility because remember again it's a choice. We, we choose how we approach these things but there's the opportunity to turn it into something really magnificent. And and that's the Purim story as well. Here we are. We're at this time of the year. All of the joy of this time of the year is the result of the holiday of Purim. And if you think about it, the holiday of Purim is a story of people's choices. They could have easily, the Jewish nation could have easily folded at that point in time. You've got a despotic leader who has the ear of the figurehead king at the time, and he's got all the power in the world, and he's going to embark on a genocidal attack against the Jewish nation. Everybody could have just said, oh my gosh, this is it, it's over, it's tickets, we're done, finished. And they could have crumbled into a state of despair, and they didn't. They actually responded with simcha, not classical simcha, they didn't go dancing in the streets per se, they didn't at all, they cried, they fasted. But it's a fundamentally simcha position, because... Simcha is a position of optimism. And if you don't believe that your fasting and gnashing of teeth is going to get anywhere, and you don't believe that there's a God on the other side who's going to listen, so even though you cry when you fast and you cry when you pray, but as the Zohar says, you've got two sides to your emotional experience. You've got, on the one hand, this terrible 
crying and on the other hand this incredible joy. Why? You're not joyous yet, but you know the joy is there. You know it's going to come right. You have this confidence, this trust in God. So if you look at the Purim story, the Purim story is not only the simcha that happened once the story was over and then they could celebrate because the threat had passed. It's actually a story of simcha while the threat hung over their heads. Not overt celebratory simcha, but subtle simcha. The knowledge that we have the capacity to turn things around. The knowledge that we have God who has our back. The knowledge... That the difficult things in life may seem absolutely overwhelming and then land up being altogether transient because there's always opportunity. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. This Friday is Rosh Chodesh Adar Bet. It's the month of the holiday of Purim, of joy and of pranks. So Haifa Management is sending Howard Feldman and Zinati Kuma back to school. Haifa will be coming to your radio live from King David Linksfield this Friday. That's tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Adar. Join Howard Feldman and the Morning Mayhem team from 6 to 9 a.m. as they get schooled this Rosh Chodesh Adar. I wonder, I wonder if they are going to land up getting pranked. Maybe the KDL kids are going to have something up their sleeve for them. So many messages coming through. It's really nice. It's really, really nice uh, that there's so many thoughts and insights. Not a whole lot of time. Here's RC on Twitter who says, Simcha is experiential, giving of myself to others and doing my best to help elevate the holiness of a thing. There are no words for such a feeling. <laughs> That's nice. That's quite strong, actually. And here's... Uh, Jackie, again, saying, as ever, lacking in comparison to the holy Lashon. In my opinion, happiness is a shallow pursuit. It lacks depth, focuses on feeling good. On feeling good. There has to be room for feeling bad in order to be motivated to change and grow. Simply be positive is overly simplistic and denial-based. Denial based. Sure, we could talk about this for a long time. So many interesting perspectives are coming through. Uh, not all of them to be repeated on air necessarily. Some people, I guess, are quite uh, touchy about the subject of Simcha. So we're going to leave that for a personal discussion, I suppose. Some people think that Simcha could actually land up being a little bit snobbish. Certainly not Simcha. Maybe a person walking around with a smugness of my life is good. Yes, that could become snobbish. I don't think that Simcha at all is, is snobbish at all. In fact, the nature of Simcha, if anything, is going to take a person out of themselves and connect them to other people. And we see this. You see this. You can tell when a person... There are certain people who just seem to exude Simcha all the time. And those are the people who are... You want to be in their company, and they're always involved, and they're helping, and they're connecting to other people. So Simcha, by definition, should in fact produce a greater sense of network and connection between people and not create a sense of snobbishness. So I guess we are in the month of Adar now, and we've already had one month of practice. We've had the first month of Adar. Today we wrap up the first month of Adar, and we move into the second month of Adar. We're two weeks away from Purim. It's a time of heightened Simcha. You're supposed to have Simcha all year round, but at this time of the year we're told Marbim, you're supposed to increase in Simcha. So it's a call to action, really, more than anything else. We've got to do things during this month coming. Yes, there are the mechanical things that we do, Put on a smile, be upbeat, say positive things, dance if you need to. And it's actually a really good method, by the way. It's like cranking up an old car. You get somebody to dance and the simcha starts to flow. But it's also about getting our head right. 
And about understanding where Simcha comes from, understanding that Simcha is a spiritual imperative. It's a responsibility. It's something that we're supposed to work towards and that a lot of it depends on how we perceive the world. And from a Jewish point of view, the way to perceive the world is that God is in control. The world is fundamentally a place with opportunity for greatness. People are fundamentally good. We just have to allow them that opportunity. And I have a mission to fulfill and there's nothing more elevating and nothing more fulfilling and nothing more simcha provoking than me living that mission. And that's the kind of thing we should take with us during the course of this month. Please God, we will be successful. Please God, we'll have many, many reasons to experience simcha in the coming month. I want to bless you and everybody who is associated with you, you, your family, everybody, that this should be a month of Great Simcha. And this should be a month of great blessing. Thank you for the incredible insights that we had today on the show. That's what makes Fresh Thinking so special. All of you and the incredible wisdom that you bring with you. Till next time, have a great Shabbos. Chodesh Tov. Let's take the Simcha, grab it with both hands, and use it to the optimum.